And hello, everyone, and welcome to Rich Sports Talk. Thank you so much for joining us here today. And that did not take long. You know, I've been saying the last couple of episodes, one of the most common things I've been saying is, look, training camp isn't the end of the offseason. It's the second offseason where you see teams get proactive. You see teams still add pieces. And I said, look, what the Jets are right now is going to be different by the end of training camp. And it is funny, too, because I put online a poll of a position that you think the Jets need to address. The majority of you said linebacker. We even talked about the linebacking depth position earlier this week when people were asking me about the rookies. And I said, look, if they don't really love these rookies, they're going to add another linebacker. Don't be surprised that they add a linebacker in free agency. They added it a little earlier than I expected. Quan Alexander, of course, signing with the New York Jets. And for those of you who need a little bit of refresher, Alexander, a former fourth-round pick from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a 2017 Pro Bowler with the Buccaneers, played in 2019 with San Francisco under Robert Sal. Now, the last two years has battled through some injuries, but last year came back, played about 80% of the snaps in the 12 games he played last year for the Saints after coming off an injury. So you saw last year played with uh, San Francisco, then went to the Saints. Uh, you're looking at someone that I think is a great fit. Now, you are a little bit concerned about the injuries because this is a player that's only played 16 games once in his career. But what I believe the Jets are going to do is use him sparingly. I don't think Quan Alexander is necessarily going to be an every single down linebacker for this team. I do think you will see him be used a lot at the outside role, whether it be the strong outside linebacker, the weak side, he can be versatile and play both of those positions. But it almost feels like it's a good fit. And I'll get into that in a second in terms of the fit and what he brings to the linebacking room. But I have to give the Jets credit. Of course, it's been reported that this has been a move that they've been trying to get done for a while. It was just basically waiting for Quan Alexander to accept the deal. Alexander did accept it yesterday. And you could tell a lot of the Jets teammates were very excited. And Alexander, of course, was on Twitter yesterday with his reaction and basically letting people know that he is fired up and ready to go. Basically saying, I'm going to make, sh- make you eat them words straight up. So I do think he wants to prove that he's still a great player and still a player that still has a lot of runway ahead of him. Don't forget, this is a player that's still only 27 Still could even make the case they can get a little bit better as well. But this is a really exciting time for the New York Jets because they've added a good piece. And all of a sudden, you look at the the composition of this defense, and it's looking pretty darn interesting and pretty darn good. And is it out of the realm of possibility that if this team can stay relatively healthy, and this defense reaches the potential that this is a top 10 defensive unit in the NFL. I don't think that's necessarily out of the realm of possibility. You look at the depth, they have the pass rusher position. You look at the linebacking position now. I mean, there really isn't a big weakness on this Jet team, on this defense. And there really isn't a huge hole on this defense. I'd say the biggest issue for this Jet defense is just... They got a lot of young pieces. They're really raw in some areas. They still have some players growing into it. I mean, you look at the secondary, a lot of young guys in that secondary, especially at the cornerback position. They have some young pass rushers that if they click this year will just be a great addition. But you look right now like the Jets, if everything breaks light, if Carl Lawson is 80% of the player he was before the Achilles injury, if they can stay relatively healthy, throughout this season and not get decimated by injuries like this unit was early last season. I do believe that this team has the potential to be a top 10 unit, but that's also an interesting thing to bring up too, because do I think the jets are done improving this defense? I do not. I still believe this team is going to be looking for a run stopping defensive tackle. I still think that there is pieces that they're going to add there, but overall, I do think this is a great signing. And again, guys, thank you so much for joining us. If you're joining us after the live stream, make sure you put your comments in the video below. Uh, We're basically going to be here for all this Jets content. I apologize about last night. I would have gotten to this a little bit sooner, but of course I had uh, work last night, so I couldn't get to the announcement until this morning. 
So I appreciate you guys, but I did break it on Twitter. You can follow us using the handle at Rich Sports Talk on Twitter. That's the handle at Rich Sports Talk. The live chat is open as always during this video. Would love to get Jet fans' reactions to this signing, to the Jets bringing in Quan Alexander. And I think Quan Alexander is a great missing piece to this defense. Now, do I think he'll start in the 4-3 base? Yes, but do I think he's going to get more snaps than C.J. Mosley and Quincy Williams? Probably not. But here's the one big thing that Quan Alexander brings to the linebacking room, which I don't think Quincy and I don't think C.J. really brought to that room, is the versatility. Now, Quincy, I love his speed. I love his ability to get around the edge. I love his ability to blitz, the ability to play the run. But Quincy did struggle in coverage, and even C.J. Mosley. Like, their strengths are in run defense. It's getting up the field. It's getting past the line of scrimmage. It's attacking at the point of attack. They are not as great linebackers in terms of getting back and pass coverage, and Quan Alexander is. Quan Alexander is a very good pass defender, can drop back into coverage, and this is someone that you can utilize, especially on third down, passing downs, can move them around the field. This is someone that can cover linebackers. This is someone that can cover linebackers and the, I mean, running backs in the flat. So this to me is a very good move. And Quan Alexander is also a very good blitzer. So I could see them utilizing him as like a hybrid pass rusher. We saw them using Quincy Williams in this role a little bit last year, and he excelled. But it almost feels like with C.J. Mosley, I feel like you're going to see his time reduced potentially as well. Like, for example, on third and long, I think you'll see them take him off the field. And basically, if they're going to put linebackers on the field, they'll put Quincy and they'll put Quan because both of them are just probably a touch faster and could probably do better in coverage, too. And I mean, this is someone that can come off the edge, 12 sacks in his uh, in his career. Of course, the biggest year was in 2017 at 23 years old uh, when he basically made the Pro Bowl with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, do you worry a bit about the injuries? I do, but. Like I said, I don't see the Jets necessarily using him as an every-down linebacker, so I do think the wear and tear will be less. And look, the Jets have to feel good about the medicals because they're bringing him in. I know this has been a lengthy process, but they're also bringing in another guy, and this is something you can't underestimate and something you can't undervalue, which is they're bringing in someone that knows this defense, Having people that understand this scheme and this system is incredibly important, especially when you have younger players on this team. Now, we're going into year two of this system. A lot of the guys that have been on this team will benefit. But don't forget, too, the Jets on both sides of the football have a lot of young players that are still learning this system. And that's one of the reasons I thought the Lincoln Tomlinson signing was huge for this offense, was getting an offensive lineman who has played in the system, that has seen the system work, that has had success in the system, join. So in case guys have questions, in case they need to pick the brain, and just having that familiarity with the language, with the coaching staff, it's really huge. Like, don't forget, too, like one of the reasons I think Rex Ryan really succeeded in his first season was because he made some key additions to his team. They were, especially on the defensive side, Jim Leonard and also Bart Scott. Now, both of them were very good players. But to me, their value wasn't necessarily how good of players it, they were. It was having guys on that field, guys in that defense that understood the assignments. They understood where players needed to be. They understood that where pieces needed to be in order to be successful. And basically, you had your two captains of that defense you had Leonard controlling the secondary. You had Bart Scott controlling the front seven. So you basically had two generals on the field that could explain this language. And you also saw it last year, too, when C.J. Mosley was off the field and got nicked up, that this defense really struggled. And I think a lot of it came to not only having the young guys out there, but not having people on that defense that understood the in and out of the system, that understood the assignments, where people need to line up. And now you've brought in almost a backup plan in case C.J. Mosley misses a game or two. You now have a linebacker. You now have a captain, especially in that front seven, 
that understands the assignments, that understands where guys need to be, that understands where the alignments need to be, which gaps need to be attacked in a certain scheme that can adjust based on what the offense is doing. So I think that this was a shrewd move, a great move by Joe Douglas, bringing in another valuable piece to this defense. And the other thing, too, which I don't think is getting talked about enough is if this defense is really this good, it could take a lot of pressure on this offense. There were times last year where you felt like this offense needed to throw up 30 in order to compete with this defense. And now if this defense can live up to the hype, the Jets could be a team that they don't have to be a sexy offense. They don't have to score a ton of points. If they can run the football consistently, play the time of possession, limit the amount of offensive possessions a team has against them, and just be able to move the football efficiently on offense, then they can be a team that can be very successful in the NFL next year. They can be a team that can grind out drives. They can keep the offense off the field. So just because the Jets might not have the sexiest offense next year, they can win potentially because they have that very good defense. And especially the way this defense is designed, if the Jets can somehow get leads in games, that's going to be huge because this defense is designed to get after quarterbacks. You have a defense that in the fourth quarter, because of the depth they've accumulated, they're going to have pass rushers that are fresh in the third and the fourth quarter. They're going to have guys that are going to be ready to hunt in that third and fourth quarter, especially in situations where you know the offense has to throw the football. You now have guys that can go out there and hunt. You have guys that can go out there and adjust. And now you've added a linebacker that almost fits better later in games. Because, like, look, I still like C.J. Mosley. I think C.J. Mosley is an unbelievable linebacker. But the shortcomings in his game and Quincy Williams' game, now, again, Quincy can still learn. He's still a very young linebacker. He's got a lot of great potential. But Alexander now brings a luxury to the Jets, which they didn't really have in that room last year, which is a linebacker that can cover, a linebacker you can line up against a tight end, a linebacker that you can drop back into coverage and protect the middle of the field. Because it felt like, too, there was a lot of plays last year where the Jets' defense would get burned, especially on the screen pass, but also in the middle of the field where it just seemed like a tight end could just get into the middle of the field, a running back and get just middle of the field. It was just a quick pitch and catch for a first down. Now you have someone that can now cover in the middle of the field as a linebacker. You have someone that can now cover on the outside that can cover those tight ends, that can get to the flat and really protect you against the screen games. And Quincy Williams did get better at defending that, but he's also more of an instinct player. Like you can tell, like he really goes a lot off of his instinct. And there's some times where he'll make some great plays because he's able to sniff out a play beforehand. But there's also times too, where he saw him overrun a play because he thought that's where the ball was going. But now you bring in someone that can play in the defensive coverage that can drop back into coverage and also someone that adds to this pass rush. I mean, Quan Alexander is a bullet off the edge. You can brillet him up the middle. You can bring him around the edge. You add another piece that can basically do everything. Like Quan Alexander in the NFL might not be an elite linebacker, but he's one of those few players where he might not do one thing great, but he does everything very well. I mean... He's someone that can line up all over the field, can play the run. But really, the reason the Jets are bringing him in is that he can play the pass. He can cover. He can go outside and cover on the outside. And this was a move, and I've been seeing it in the chat. Like, this is someone that the Jets fans have really wanted for a long time. This is someone that the Jets themselves have even said that they've wanted for a very long time. And I understand that the injuries have been a bit of an issue but don't forget, to the way I see the Jets utilizing Quan is utilizing him to basically be, and the numbers have officially come out, one year, $1.12 million and a $152,000 signing boy bonus. I mean, that is, that is a great offer. I mean, the Jets basically gave up nothing for him. Like, that is a really good contract that is a deal that really helps this team 
Uh, and look, it doesn't break the bank. Like I thought this was going to be like a three or four million dollar contract, one point one two million. That's that's dirt cheap, especially when you get a linebacker with the upside that he brings and the versatility. Like if you were to ask me what this Jet linebacking room was missing, it was having someone that you could rely on in the passing game. Now, the younger players that they draft in the previous draft, they were converted safeties. Could they have the athleticism and could they develop into that? Sure, but you didn't have a proven guy, especially in a passing league now, that can cover. Now Quan Alexander gives you someone with the speed to help eliminate certain plays that teams in this division will like to run. You know the Bills like to run with Josh Allen. Now you have someone out there with the speed that can spy him with Quan Alexander. I mean, Quincy and also CJ could do it, but Quan could do that in a passing situation. You have someone out there against New England who loves the short passing, the death by a thousand paper cuts, and the running back screen to death. Now you have someone that can combat that. I mean, how many times last year when the Jets played the Patriots did they run a screen pass and it went for like 15 yards or it felt like the Jets couldn't stop it? Now you have someone that can make an impact in that screen game. And even the Dolphins. You know the Dolphins are going to be a team that's going to look to get the ball out quick, that's going to look to get the ball out to his hands quickly and quick and right over the middle of the field and within a 5-10 yard range. Now you have someone that can fit between that 10-yard range and cover very well. All right, the chat's open. Let's get your reactions. Uh, Poker Us, 27-19, let's go. Someone's very excited. I wonder if he's already ordered the Quan Alexander jersey. Um, Captain Techno, this is not the same old Jets. BK, Joe Douglas is never satisfied and will pursue any sensible possibility to improve this team. It's a great feeling. And that's the other thing, too, is it feels like the Jets aren't done. The Jets are still looking to improve this roster. Now the priority, I think, shifts a little bit too because I didn't think running, I mean, linebacker was the biggest priority for this team to still add. But I do think that now you're going to see them focus all their resources and all their time on finding a switch tackle. I believe that the Jets' goal now before the season starts is to find a swing tackle that can play both the left and right tackle positions and back up. But even it, maybe not even a tackle. Like if this team could find even a guard, not to say I don't think the Jets have decent guard depth, but a lot of it is you have Nate, Nate Herbig, who's a, a player with a lot of upside that's played in spots for the Eagles. I don't think he's a bad depth piece, but it is a big step down from where you had last year. We had the good doctor, who stepped in during the second half of the season to really improve this offensive line. I mean, Dan Feeney is a decent player, but I don't think he is a great backup. So if the Jets can find decent backup offensive linemen or they become available in some capacity, I do think you'll see the Jets still add pieces. I'm very curious to see how they will address the other needs on this team. Again, it'll be interesting to see how they go about it, will they maybe explore the trade market? I mean, there's a couple players on this team, and I've talked about it at nauseum before, that I do think that now the Jets, if they're focused on finding a swing tackle or a tackle that maybe in teams undervaluing, maybe they could trade one of their pieces because they now have some depth. Like, if these young cornerbacks look good, like if Brandon Eccles is growing, if we see some of these younger other corners grow in this training camp, if a team offers a decent package for Bryce Hall, whether it be draft picks, whether it be a player that could help impact another position of need on this team, I think the Jets would be open to listening. Denzel Mims is off to a great start in camp. If he doesn't impress this coaching staff to the point where they feel he's not going to get an opportunity on this team, but another team gives the Jets a decent offer, that's something that you have to keep an eye open. And that's the other thing, too, where – this coaching staff and this general manager don't feel like they're settling. Under McCagden and under the previous regimes, you felt like this team was kind of sell. Like once the draft was over, that was basically it. That, yeah, they might add some veteran here or there, but for the most part, this was the roster they were going with. This was the team 
that they were going to roll with. And part of it, too, is, and I understand, the Jets are not an attractive free agent point at this point. Like, let's be honest. If you're a veteran player and you want to win or you want to get to the playoffs, the Jets are not going to be your first choice. And some, and most of the time, the guys that wanted to come here, it was just for the money because the Jets would give them an absurd amount of money compared to another place. But now it's starting to slowly, I believe, change where – People want to come and play here. People want to play under Robert Sala. And, like, look, I'll tell you this. I feel more people want to play under Robert Sala than they did under Adam Gase. So I do think you're starting to slowly see that turn. But this is a great addition. Do I think this completely changes the defense? No, but this is another valuable piece, and this is another valuable depth piece that just continues to make this defense very good. Now, really the biggest need on this defense right now, if you had to ask me today, and you can let me know what you think in the chat, if you agree, if you disagree, I still think this team needs to find a run-stopping defensive tackle. Uh, I, I still think that this team needs to find a nose tackle or a big body that they can stick there on short running situations. It's going to be interesting. Like, do can when we get through this camp, do we feel like Solomon Thomas? Do we feel Jonathan Marshall can fill that role? If the Jets can fill with one of the players on that roster's roster, great. One of the things I did notice too, um, that that Clemens, their rookie from Texas A&M, they're lighting a lot inside, and that's something that I actually think is a good move for the Jets, and might be one of the reasons they drafted him is maybe they're trying to use him as like a John Franklin Myers, using him as one of those hybrid players where you can play them at defensive end. They'll primarily play at the defensive end position, but on pass rushing situations, you can kick them inside of that defensive tackle, create maybe a little bit of a mismatch on the guards with that speed, with that ability to get up the field, with that ability to rip and get through on the interior. So I'm interested to see how he is in camp as well. But you also bring another key piece in that room. And I know a lot of people saying, oh, look, it's another 49er. It's another former salad player but a lot of that is not only changing the culture but it's getting people on the same page and understanding the lingo understanding the call outs understanding the defense and understanding the strength and weaknesses of this defense and it's one of those things too like where one of the underappreciated things i think in the nfl is we don't give coaches a lot of time like it does take some time to get the right pieces to fit a defense and an offense. And I feel like a lot of times, sometimes just when we're getting to that point with franchises where they're starting to feel like, okay, they're getting close to what the coach wanted. It's like, okay, time to change time for a new coach. So you look to like, this was a vastly different defensive system because the jets for basically ever, I think the last person that ran the four, three was Herm Edwards. But pretty much since Eric Mangini until this point, the Jets ran the 3-4. So even when the new coaching personnel came in, there were still changes to the defense, but not huge fundamental changes necessarily. Like when Salah came in, you needed to gut everything because it's a huge difference going from the 4-3, the 3-4 to the 4-3. And you're seeing that the Jets have put in a lot of work into that. But again, guys, chat's open. We'd love to hear what your thoughts on the Quan Alexander signing is, what moves you think the Jets still need to do. Early action for camps. But again, from uh, Connor Hughes, the contract official this morning, $1.12 million with uh, a small signing boast uh, in there as well. So I, I do think that that is a great signing for the Jets. I think it's an, a piece that... Really, again, it's it's another player that you look and fits a need and fits really a role that the Jets didn't really have, which is a good cover pass linebacker. So now you get someone that can come in there, that can go out there and basically give coverage. And also, don't forget, this could be another player that helps evaluate the... Uh, the young players. And again, today, no fan and team drills, Doga left tackle. I'm curious to see if that's just basically because they're working out the contract. Uh, if he's got maybe a little bit of a nagging injury, but I mean, the cap hit is less than a million dollars for Quan Alexander. I mean, that is 
really good. And it tells me the Jets are not done. The Jets still have a lot of cap room under there as well. So I, I didn't think the Jets are going to make some moves. But also, getting someone that can cover like this, will it help raise the game of running backs or the tight ends in this room? Like Because you have some young position players that could benefit going against some great linebacker that's really good at pass defense. When you have someone like a Jeremy Ruckert eventually when he gets on the field, you have a Michael Carter, you have a Brees Hall. We're talking about guys that iron sharpens iron. And when you're playing against someone that in practice is a good cover linebacker, that's not going to make it easy for you. It helps elevate your game. And I do think that that could be a, a very underestimated part about the signing is does this help some of the younger pieces on this team develop a little bit quicker because it gives them an example of like, okay, this is what a really good cover linebacker in the NFL looks like. This is how they're able to do it, how they're able to read out a play, how they're able to diagnose the ball, how they're able to see the screen pass before the screen pass happens, how they're able to close the space and how the gap isn't in practice two or three yards. It's maybe a foot in terms of the gap between you and the defender. And can you make a play? Can you make a contested catch? I do think that that could be another aspect that we don't really, we never really talk about how, you know, other players impact, you know, the offense and the defense. Although so far today, the offense, uh, not doing great uh, in training camp, but still it's early. There's no pads on really right now. So it will be very interesting to see. Although, Chuma Doga apparently doing pretty decent at practice so far today. So, I mean, this is really, he's one of those Jets that really needs to have a great camp this year. And Adoga is one of those players that really the writing could be on the wall, but he's one of those guys that he's really going to have to great camp because he has to prove that he's a legitimate backup tackle for this team. He has to prove that he can earn that tackle spot to back up Makai Becton and George Fant. And more importantly, he has a huge thing against him, which is, unfortunately, he was drafted by Mike McCagnan. And we've seen what Joe Douglas has done is basically in the years he's been as the Jets general manager, he's obliterated all signs of the McCagnan era. I'm trying to remember. I know Chuma's there. Um, <clears throat> I'm trying to think of uh, the running back. We brought him up yesterday. Uh P. Ryan, I'm trying to remember, was P. Ryan a Jets? No, P. Ryan was under Gase. I'm trying to actually remember, is there a player on this roster outside Chuma Doga that was drafted by the Mac McCagnan uh, administration? And I'm off the top of my head, I can't think of one. Actually, no, there's... Um, who is it? It's... Jesus, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, I know it is. I'm just like the name is escaping me at the moment. Uh, Nate Shepard, that's who it is. The defensive tackle. I'm like, I know it's a defensive tackle. The, see, it's almost a good thing now. The Jets have so many defensive linemen. Like, I have to go through the list in my head. It's like, no, not, no, 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 no. Oh, oh there we go. So, Nate Shepard and uh, basically are the last remains of the Mike McCagnin experiment. Uh, so uh, I'm interested to see how he does in camp. Like really, like I'm a nerd. Like I love the offensive line. I, I always batter the offensive line. And like when I watch a lot of training camp, especially in the preseason, I'm watching the line play. I'm watching because it's especially in the preseason, the, 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 Back end, the coverages are very vanilla. They're not going to give you any crazy coverages. They're not going to give you anything that was uh, really different. But uh, I do think one thing you can never fake is trench play. And even if you're doing your base pass rush, you can tell, like, is your team getting beat at the point of attack? Is your team being overwhelmed at the point of attack? And that's one thing, especially I watch is – especially if they can get the second unit or some of these backups against legitimate players and maybe not the starters, but guys who, you know, at least are going to be role players or at least players that are actually on NFL rosters. And if they're able to hold their own, that's what you really look for. So like when I'm going to be watching camp, especially this year, I already talked about it a little bit the other day, but I'm going to be really watching the backup tackles this year 
because I'm curious to see how long it takes for Max Mitchell, their draft pick this year, to make that adjustment. Does he look overwhelmed? Does he look like he's swimming? Does he look like he's always on his heels? Does he look like someone that's playing like he's a little bit unsure? Or is this someone that's coming out with a lot of confidence that you know might make a mistake, but you can tell is picking up the game, is not intimidated by the game speed? And look, for Chuma Doga, I mean, this is pretty much it. I mean, he was brought in the same draft class as Sam Darnold. This is really probably his last opportunity for the Jets. Now, he could obviously go to another team if the Jets do cut him. But this is really about it. Like, this is this is the opportunity for him. I mean, he's going to be 25 this year. He got five games last year. But this is someone that's really going to have to show what he can do and really go out there and prove what he can do. Now, again, last year when he played, not horrible, only one penalty, only one false start during the season last year. This is someone that if the Jets can get him to play at his level and get him to really play well, this is someone that the Jets then don't have to go out and get maybe a tackle. But it's really going to depend on watching Mitchell and watching what – Adoga does now. I'm also going to watch the interior line. I know uh, Nate Herbig was a signing I've talked about from the Eagles. I I really like him. I think he's a decent backup. I think he's someone that again is still a young player and could still grow a little bit. Like you, you've we've heard about the Eagles that that was one player that they were really upset about losing. But I mean, I'm just looking right now in terms of the Jet chart. I mean, they have brought in Derek Kelly. At the guard position, I mean, Dan Feeney's kind of that interior play center, can play guard position. I'm really interested to see what they do. And then they brought in a couple of players from the uh, practice squad from San Francisco on the interior offensive line. But you look right now, too, like there's a bit of a battle for those tackle positions. And also, can one of these tackles show versatility? One of the things about Max Mitchell is he could play the left and the right side. But if Adoga can show he can play guard, and I think the Jets have actually played him at guard a couple positions, that adds value as well. So I'm also curious to see, like, will they line up McDermott? Will they line up Adoga at the guard position at all this preseason or during the training camp just to see how they fare at those positions? Because right now, their backup left tackle is Connor McDermott. And look, I know he had that great catch last year, but... He wasn't exactly a great answer at left tackle. Um, PCR Recipio, I think I said that. That is, is it Recipio, Recipio? Uh, I just feel like it's you just like PC Richardson. Uh, go Jets! Thank you so much. Appreciate that in the comment again, guys. Chat's open. Love to hear what you guys have to say. Anything from training camp so far that you want to talk about? Uh, your reactions to the Quan Alexander Simon, the latest around the New York Jets. And one thing I will say too, is it looks like Joe Flacco off to a little bit of a slow start. Now I'm really interested to see what happens with the backup quarterback situation. I (laughs) close enough. (laughs) Sorry about that. Yeah. They should have like the uh, phonetics in there on YouTube, just so I can tell who like the exact name. So I don't butcher it to death. (laughs) Uh, but I'm really interested in the backup quarterback battle. Like now you, we've heard Sal appraise Joe Flacco, and I do understand the importance of having a veteran player. And this was someone the jets didn't want to lose last year. And it was clear that they didn't want to lose him in free agency. He obviously went to Philadelphia because he thought there was an opportunity to still be the starter, but I do think Flacco's come to the point in his career where he realizes he is a backup in that mental role. But I'll tell you, if Mike White looks really good in this preseason, I think it's going to be hard for the Jets to not play keep White as the backup. And uh, this just breaking for me in Rappaport, uh, Buccaneers, Ryan Jensen, the fear is that he is out for the season. And... This is the one thing about training camp is every year it's just cross your fingers and hope that basically it works out. And the Buccaneers, man, I'll tell you, if I'm Tom Brady, I I would be 
very concerned because Jensen, it looks like he suffered a knee, a season ending knee injury, but don't forget their great guard uh, retired this season. So all of a sudden that interior, that Buccaneers offensive line, which was really their catalyst. They've lost both their starting guards and center and Tom Brady needs a great offensive line. So that is something to keep an eye on. And, really shows you the premium offensive lineman because you cannot tell me that the Buccaneers front office isn't on the phone right now trying to get any offensive lineman that they can get in there. And if you're also Joe Douglas, I'm curious, does this also, does this expedite the Jets trying to sign an offensive lineman, going out there and signing a veteran offensive lineman? Because now all of a sudden, even the Buccaneers, they're, they're desperate for offensive linemen. Do they now – does this accelerate the Jets saying, okay, man, we, we got to go out there and get – we got to go out there and get this these guys because they're, they might not be there wrong, long. They might be uh, – they might be off the list pretty, uh, pretty soon. <laughs> so I'm curious to see what they end up doing there. Uh, I'm curious to see – if they go out there and try to expedite the tackle position and the tackle search. Uh, I mean, there's still a couple out there. Me, Dwayne Brown, that's going to be an interesting one. Again, 36. Is he someone that the Buccaneers maybe bring in to be a spot tackle? It, and it's really hard, too, because it's mostly the guard in the center position. That That's the hard thing for the Buccaneers is that they've lost the interior offensive line which in some regards is easier to replace. But really right now in the market, it's a lot of older tackles. It's a lot of older guys that really are either long in the tooth or guys that should really be backups at this point. So, I mean, I was going to say Jets, unfortunately, don't have that depth of the interior offensive line uh, to pull to pull off a trade, try to bring in someone to try to maybe tr- swing a draft pick for uh, – <laughs> for uh from tampa bay right now but uh you know nfl yesterday was just insane so much going on ryan jensen goes down uh dk metcalf gets the bag in uh seattle and then of course the arizona cardinals and like look say what people want about the jets but i do think that one of the things i've been saying this whole offseason is the Jets can no longer, I think, be viewed as a dysfunctional organization. And look, I understand that people are going to say, well, wait, what about the whole Zach Wilson thing? Look, I'm not going to get into that. That's his personal life, and I don't think it's a distraction on the football field. But I will say, though, like you look at Arizona, Arizona, like that to me is it's one of those examples like you can win football games in the NFL, but you can still be a dysfunctional organization. It's kind of like the jet. It's the opposite of the jets right now. Like you, they're not dysfunctional. They just need to win football games, but you saw it. I don't know if you heard the news, but Murray had that con that clause in the contract where you had to study film for four hours a week. And then of course the Cardinals, yes, they said, no, no, we're taking that clause out of the contract because they were getting ripped on social media and in the public. So it, it's just a mess there. And, I mean, that's one thing you can you have to love about Zach Wilson is they say this is a kid that loves to study. This is a kid that you have to drag him out of the film room. This is someone that you have to drag from, you know, continuing to work in the office, continuing to work in the weight room. Like this is someone that just absolutely loves the game of football and loves to really learn football. This is someone that loves the process of learning the game. So I, I do think that that uh, – is something that as a Jet fan, you have to be encouraged by. And look, every quarterback is different. I'm one of those people I prefer to have someone that wants to be in the film room, that wants to be a film junkie. But there's also going to be players that everyone's a little bit different. And everyone's path is different. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger is someone that never studied film. But he ended up winning two Super Bowls. So, like, there's no exactly right way. I know every front office and every general manager wants – the Peyton Manning or Tom Brady, where they're completely dedicated, they're insanely dedicated, like they go above and beyond to prepare, but everyone's different. (laughs) But for the Cardinals to not only put that in that contract, let it get out, and then 24 hours later, 
Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna take that out. We we believe in Kyler Murray. No, you don't. You don't believe in Kyler. If you did believe in Kyler, that wouldn't have been in the contract to start with. I mean, come on. It's like we're trying to save face by putting more egg on our face. It's like yeah, great, great strategy, Cardinals. Like great job. Like you've already pissed off now your franchise quarterback, but now you've made a scenario where the Cardinals' first three games are absolutely brutal. If that team starts out 0-3, you know the media and that fan base could crucify Kyler Murray because then it's going to be like, oh, well, you know, I guess uh, I guess someone's playing too much Madden. I think someone's maybe playing too much Call of Duty because your team's not winning. And again, like it would be ironic because the Cardinals have been a team that starts the season great and finishes horribly. So... We'll have to see what happens there. Jets are seemingly professional for the first time in a while, but yes, got to win games. Absolutely. I mean, you have to play to win the games. You know, as a great uh, Jets coach once said uh, many, many years ago. But it, it, like, I just, I'm just looking around the league. It's just incredible. Like, you see all these distractions and all this stuff going on in camp. And so far for the Jets, like, the biggest thing for this Jet camp for me is getting these young kids the reps and just staying healthy. Like, you know, someone's going to get injured for the jets, but you just want the key guys out there and especially the younger players to not get nicked up because you saw it last year with Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore could have had, I really believe an even better season, but you saw it early where he was behind the eight ball because he missed all those training camp reps because of the injury he had just couldn't get it going. And once he got it going, he was an electric player for this team. Now, he needs to stay healthy as well this year, and I do worry about his durability. But if Garrett Wilson can get all of his reps, as Brief Hall can get the reps, as Sauce Gardner can get the reps. Now, Jermaine Johnson will be a little bit tricky because the Jets have so many pass rushers on that defensive line. But you look, though, Max Mitchell, if he can get key reps at the backup tackle position, Clemens, if he can get reps and it looks like they're moving him inside the defensive tackle to get some reps, like that is the important thing. And I'm also curious to see how the reps are divided at the quarterback position. I'm really curious to see how many snaps they give Zach in the preseason. I'm really curious to see how many snaps they give Mike White. Like if I'm the Jets, I'm not even putting Joe Flacco on the field. I mean, you know what you have in Joe Flacco. If anything, see what you have in Mike White. Do you feel Mike White can be the better backup this year? And if not, maybe use that as an audition for some team that might need a backup quarterback. Maybe someone that needs to add a quarterback depth or someone that just sees him like, you know, maybe this is something we could build off of. BK, in addition to what you said earlier with Quan spying quarterbacks, this year we're also seeing Lamar, Russell, and even Justin Fields. And look, that's the thing. Like The game has changed now in the NFL so much where you have athletic quarterbacks and BK, you also don't have on that list. You don't have Joe Burrow, who has the athleticism that makes plays. You have uh, Josh Allen in the zone division you have to play twice a year. I mean, the Jets luck out with not playing Deshaun Watson, but then in Pittsburgh, it, what I believe is going to happen is I really believe Mitch Trubisky is going to start the season in Pittsburgh. That's another quarterback that can win with his athletic ability. I mean, it, it's it's kind of funny because we, we do put that – all these quarterbacks winning with their legs and athletic ability, it's kind of the opposite than what it used to be. Now it's almost funny where you can't find a quarterback that can beat you with his athleticism. I mean, Tua is obviously one of the, one of the first ones that comes to mind as someone that's not going to beat you with his athletic ability, his ability to scramble, his ability to make plays with his legs. But even with the Jets, I mean, you got Zach Wilson that can make plays. Uh, it's rare to find those guys that really can't make plays at this point. So, but that's another big reason why you bring in Quan Alexander. You bring in someone that is just speed. And one thing the Jets have invested mightily is is in speed. You brought in Sauce Garner, who's fast. You look at the secondary pieces. You brought in players that are fast. You look at this defensive line. You've brought in guys that are good pass rushers that can get up the field and get up the field quickly. You look at what they've done at the receiving court. They don't necessarily have big receivers right now. I mean, you look. Outside Corey Davis, I mean, they have size at the tight end position now, but the receivers they have aren't exactly big, intimidating receivers, but what they have are guys that can cut well, run great routes, and get open and stretch the field. I mean, they have playmaking wide receivers that can do a lot of damage in space. Like, you look, too, like the Jets, it's clear. Like, they want to get a lot of speed on this team. 
They want to get as much versatility with that speed as they can get. So, I mean, I do think the game has changed, but BK, that is a great point. And uh, can I just say, like, <laughs> like uh, I know this is a little bit of a, a tangent because, like, I know it's a little bit off base, but I, I feel one quarterback I feel absolutely horrible for it because you brought him up was Justin Fields. I feel like what the Bears have done to Justin Fields is almost negligence at this point where – I look around the league and I've been on this thing. I really think Zach Wilson is going to have the best second year because he's the only quarterback in this class that doesn't have a new head coach, doesn't have a new offensive coordinator and doesn't basically have a whole new scheme to learn. Like you look around the league, like all those other guys either have a new coach, new OC, new system to learn, like a lot of turnover, but Zach has actually gotten more pieces and probably less turnover than anyone but Justin Fields, man, like I, I feel I feel horrible for that kid because he got the snot being out of him last year. And the Bears finally, for an organization, I mean, we talk about the Jets not finding a quarterback. If there's a, an organization that's had a harder time finding a quarterback, you can make a case it's the Bears. They get arguably the best quarterback that realistically they've had potentially in their franchise history, which says a lot, but they did absolutely nothing this offseason to address their woeful offensive line, which is one of the bottom three in the league. They didn't add weapons. If anything, they lost probably the best receiver that they've had in Allen Robinson in free agency. I mean, they haven't added any pieces. And then they had a defensive coach and they had defensive pieces in the draft. I mean, seriously, like if Justin Fields plays all 17 games this year, they should throw a parade. They should give that kid a medal because I I really do not see how he's going to survive. Because, like, I remember last year there was the play he almost got decapitated on with that blitzer off the edge. I mean, I was surprised he still had his helmet on after that play. And, look, they're in a division, too, where you got the scrappy lines, you got the Packers, you got Minnesota. I – I think a lot of people are too high on the Bears. Everyone, I keep seeing people saying that the Bears are going to have like six wins this year. And I'm like, I think they're going to be lucky to get to three or four wins this year. I don't see them as a good football team. I, I really think that they're a bad football team. And I just feel like it's going to start badly and it's going to snowball and just get worse because there's going to be so much on Justin Fields. I just get the feeling at the end of the season, people are just going to write him off in Chicago and basically go like, yeah, see, we don't have a quarterback. But they didn't put anything around him. They didn't put any talent around him. And I'm curious to see what will happen in Chicago. Like, if it's bad this year and they get one of the top three picks, do they change up and go with a different quarterback? Which I don't think would be the right move, but it's also going to be how banged up is Justin Fields at the end of his second season and where they're going to stand with him. Alexander is washed, sadly, from Brian Brent. Bad Donde, Badonde. Brian, I don't think Alexander's necessarily washed. Like now, do I think, and I've said this earlier in the episode, I don't think he's going to be necessarily an every down starter from this team, but I do think he's going to have a vital role. And I do think the Jets are going to be cognizant of the fact that this is someone that has had an injury issue the last couple seasons. So I do think they're going to limit his reps to mostly the passing down situations. Like I see him primarily out there on third down. I see him out there in some passing situations. But in early down situations, I think they're going to roll with Quincy. I think they're going to roll with CJ. They're better at the run defense anyways. They understand the, how to get up the field. Their, their strength is you know being able to recognize the play, get up the field, and get up there and attack the ball carrier where – Quan's biggest strength is, and he's he can do that too. But his is, you know, operating his space, covering the flats, being able to cover the middle of the field. So this is also a move too, where they're paying him nothing. I mean, they're paying him one point one two million. I mean, they're paying him a bag of peanuts for someone that is a versatile defender, someone that has improved this roster, and someone that gives them a really good backup. Like if Quincy gets nicked up for two or three games, if CJ gets nicked up for two or three games, like, let me ask you this. Like, are you more comfortable with Quan Alexander? Are you more comfortable with one of these rookie? I mean, I keep saying rookies. They were rookies last year, but these second year linebackers that they've got now, I think those guys have a lot of talent and can ascend, but 
they're still developing, in my opinion, at this point. At least with Quan, you know someone that, A, is an NFL veteran, you know can play at this level. But more importantly, you have someone out there <clears throat> that understands the nuances of this complicated defense. And you saw it last year when CJ went down, this defense looked all the whack. And they even said, like, look, we don't have someone out there that understands the nuances of this defense that's out there, you know, putting people in the right spots. Now you have another player out there that can do that, that can line guys up in the right spot. And it's one of those positions, too, like maybe Quan Alexander isn't the most talented linebacker out on the field. Maybe he's not the best linebacker anymore. Maybe it has taken some of the mileage off. But just having someone out there that knowledgeable, having someone that understands that where to put people in the right position so they can make plays is a huge value that I do think it's really, really um, undervalued. Like I, we we talk about what guys bring to the field in terms of physicality, in terms of their speed. But the thing I love about football is it's basically a chess game. And there's one of the things I feel that like gets always underrated is people's ability to really read out plays and people that are really able to see things develop and being able to line people up in the right thing. And I do think Quan Alexander can do that. You saw with CJ Mosley having that cap on the defense. And look, I said it earlier in the episode, if in case you missed it, but one of the reasons that Rex Ryan was able to hit the ground running, I really believe is that he got two key players in free agency. And look, I don't think they were necessarily the best players at their position and Bart Scott and Jim Leonard, but they were people that knew the nuances of the defense, that knew the ins and outs of this defense, that knew where people had to be. And you've had Bart Scott commanding the front seven. You had Jim Leonard commanding the back four. And you had those guys out there. So adding another player that Robert Sal, and look, this is also someone that Robert Sal's coach, if Robert Sal didn't believe in him or they didn't believe that he could make an impact, they wouldn't bring him in because they've had firsthand experience. This isn't something where – They've had to watch tape to do research. They've had to reach out. No, they've had this guy. Sal has had this guy in his defensive meeting groups. He's seen him on the sideline. He's worked with him on the field. Like He knows what he brings to the table. He knows like when he's right and when he's on the field, the impact that he can bring in the game, how he can impact this defense, and the things he can do on the field. And we see it with this Jet defense. They don't want – they're not going to put guys out there for 90% of the snaps. They want to have rotations, deep rotations, and keep guys fresh. And I do think Quan Alexander is an example of this because I don't think they want to have C.J. Mosley out there 90% of the snaps. I think what they want to do is keep him fresh and keep this defense moving is do hybrids, like have on the first down play, C.J. and Quincy are out there. Then second down, it's another running situation. The Jets go with the same linebacking core, but then they get a two-yard loss. It's a passing down on third down. You bring in Quan Alexander. You can maybe bring in another linebacker, give those guys a blow. Maybe it's a first and 10, but it looks like a screen package from the Patriots. You see them lining up in that screen package, or you're anticipating a screen play. Instead of putting Quincy out there, you have Quan out there. You shame to the side of the defense that you think the screen's going to run to. So it just offers the Salah and Jeff Ulbrick another piece. That's what Alexander is. He's not one of the key pieces, but he's one of those pieces that could be a vital cog in the defensive machinery. All right, guys, any other questions about training camp? Anything about the Quan Alexander move? Uh, thank you guys, as always, for joining us. If you're new to the channel, make sure you bash that subscribe button so you miss any of our Jets content throughout training camp. We're going to be doing coverage throughout the whole training camp. And, of course, Throughout the entire season, so especially if you know any Jet fans that are looking to join a community, want to have their voices heard, want to be able to talk, want to even be able to vent. I mean, look, let's be honest, Jet fans, uh, last decade's been tough. Like, think about it. This is basically our therapy session. And look, I'll tell you, it's a, it's a lot cheaper than therapy. Like, I I'm free. Therapy costs a lot of money. So <laughs> uh, if you if you want to get, you know, vent about the Jets, this is the place to do it. Um but I mean, perfectly, I'm to tell you the truth. I'm really excited to see what the Jets do so far. Training camp, I think, is going very well. I mean, we talked at nauseum about Makai Becton. So if you want to talk about Makai Becton moving to the right tackle, my thoughts on George Fant being the left tackle and how I think there's an impending extension, that video is up online and was available yesterday. So if you want to go check out that recap, that is up for them. So, uh, if you guys want to check that out, 
would really appreciate it. Uh, any other comments today? Any other things about training camp? Would love to hear from you guys if you have any questions, concerns, any any thoughts throughout the train camp so far. Just looking to see. I'll give you guys a sec. See if you have any comments. Would love to answer them if you do. Um, got a lot from PCR. Recipio, uh, Captain Techno, BK, you know, was wondering if some of the guys like Solomon Jets are in the chat today, uh, KD in the chat today. I mean, some of the good regulars that we have in there. I'm just waiting to see if it, any of you guys have any questions because uh, you guys always bring the A stuff. So I'm related to the Jets, but quick thoughts on the Subway Series. Ah, well, BK, don't let the Mickey Mantle poster fool you. I'm actually a big Mets fan, so... Uh, I know that's a little bit of a throw off behind you, but uh, look, I think the Mets are a really great team. Uh, I think the Mets are going to be a playoff team. And to be honest with you, I think Mets fans are a little bit, I understand the panic from Mets fans because the Braves are, uh, and yeah, Ronald Scripps, you, you bang that subscribe button. I love you, man. Thanks for joining us. Love you, Ronald. Um, but no, I, I really think the Mets are a great team. I'm still concerned about the Grom. To me, they're good. They're going to be a playoff team. Like the one big concern, I know Mets fans don't want them to be, you know, in the wild card position. But look, the Braves have just been playing out of their minds. Like I think that if if I was a Met fan and I was to tell you before the season, like I understand the Braves are been insane, have closed the gap, and the Mets had that big lead. But if I was a Met fan, I was to tell Met fans after the Subway Series, you're going to sweep the Yankees at home. You're going to have one of the best records in baseball. And, oh, by the way, you were going to miss Scherzer for about a month and a half, and you didn't get a single start out of Jacob DeGrand. Most Met fans would say, you're nuts. That would never happen. But I am curious to see what both teams do at the deadline. Now, Soto's obviously the big fish out there. Now there's reports about Otani being on the block. I'm really curious to see what happens there. I'm curious to see what the Mets will do. Now, I think you're kind of getting a hint at what they're going to do at the deadline, which is they've been adding a couple pieces. They made another trade last night. I think they're looking at just as much depth as possible. I think you're going to see them add another bullpen arm, maybe even another starting pitcher. I know everyone wants them to add Juan Soto. I just don't think it's going to happen for the Mets for two very important reasons. The first being, I think that the asking price is going to be insane for the prospects. And I don't think the Mets are necessarily ready to give up on some of their prospects. But to me, the biggest thing, too, is I think the Nationals are going to want Mets tax, which is and they have even said, like, even if you have the best offer, you might not get Soto. So because, again, if the Mets have a comparable offer to the Cardinals or to the Padres, the Nationals have to ask themselves, do we really want to face Juan Soto in our division for the next 15 years? So I just have a feeling that he's not going to go to the Mets. But for the Yankees, Ben Tenney, I think there's a good trade for them. I still think they really need to add some starting pitching. Like I, I know their starting pitching has been really good this year, but outside of Cole, do they really have someone that you feel confident in the postseason? And of course, now I do think they need to add some depth to that bullpen. But overall, like I mean, as a Met fan, I absolutely love the Subway Series. I, I, it was great, and of course, ESPN actually reported that uh, that the Subway Series was the most watched baseball game in 15 years for a regular season game so i'll tell you this i i guarantee you the networks would absolutely love a subway world series i i, I can tell you that i think the networks would love to push for that would have contributed more but i am at work <laughs> Yeah, I, I feel you, man. Like, uh, I, I, I had work last night, work later today. So, uh, I get, I'm just basically getting this in before work. So, uh, appreciate it as always, Captain. Uh, but no, I feel good about the Mets. I think the Mets have good chances. And look, like, worst case, the very worst case scenario for the Mets is they're going to be the number one wild card team. Like, I know everyone's panicked about the Braves, but let's be honest, like if the Mets were in any other division of baseball outside, maybe the NL West, I mean, they'd pretty much be running away with it. Although the AL East, like I'll tell you that division is a lot better than I expected. Although the Red Sox have been imploding a little bit lately, but uh, no, I'm excited to see what the Mets do. The big question is going to be DeGrom. I mean, he's coming back next week from all reports. Can he stay healthy? Can he make it through the end of the season? Can he pitch in the postseason? That. That, to me, is going to be the biggest thing for the Mets. Like, if DeGrom is DeGrom when he comes back, 
that's got to be terrifying because the Mets have won a lot of games without Scherzer and DeGrom. But if DeGrom and Scherzer are peaking and pitching at their top of their games going into this postseason, I mean, that's a scary combination because the Mets have a deep rotation. I mean, we've seen it already, but I do think they need to add bullpen help if I'm them. I think the Yankees need some bullpen help too, but I do think Bantani is a nice piece for them as well. So I, I'm I'm interested to see what else they do at the deadline. I just have a feeling both fan bases are going to be disappointed because I feel both teams are going to make moves to help them, but I don't think either team's going to land Juan Soto or one of these huge players. I just feel like the fans are going to be disappointed even though they improved the team. So we'll have to see how that goes. but. We'll say I am really curious to see when the Mets bring up Francisco Alvarez because he had a walk-off home run last night in Syracuse, and I actually saw him play earlier this year in minor league base. I mean, that kid freaking uh, that kid freaking crushes baseballs. Like I personally, I want to see him up with the Mets sooner rather than later. But uh, thanks, BK. Would love to know your thoughts on the uh, Subway Series uh, if you want to put that in the chat. But uh, you know, those are my thoughts. As a Met fan, I'm excited, and uh, you know, it'll be nice to be back in the postseason after a very long hiatus. Um, any other questions in the chat? It could be Jets related, and I mean, we're talking baseball now. It could be baseball related. It could be uh, even NFL related. We've gone a little bit off track with some of the NFL. You know, talking about the Kyler Murray contract situation. My two cents on that, which I, I again I thought was absolutely ridiculous what the uh the cardinals were doing but uh i mean it's funny it's almost like again the jets offseason compared to other ones has been relatively quiet and it's been nice where uh you look at it and you go oh, okay the jets aren't doing anything crazy or really stupid this year so that that's always that's always a nice change of pace for us for the jet fan um i'm a met fan so i loved it both teams are really impressive, and we might be on collision course with the World Series. Mets need to keep first and at least winners getting the second buy. Um, yeah, they might even get the first buy, like because like we'll have to see what happens with the Dodgers. Because again, like it, I think that that division, like again, you have the Padres in that division. So uh, I, again, I want to see the Mets win that division. Obviously, for the buy, that's huge with the new with the new system, but. I mean, they're going to make the playoffs no matter what. And, like, the Mets' schedule does get a little bit easier. Uh, but the Braves, I'm curious to see. Like, the Braves, you feel like they have to cool off at some time. Like, just come down to earth. Like, that's the thing, too. Like, people are like, oh, the Mets are blowing. The Mets are blowing. Like, the Mets have a winning record. The Mets are doing pretty well. It's just the Braves are, like, playing out of their minds compared to everyone else right now. So... Like I just feel like there's like there's unnecessary panic uh from Mets fans. I don't think it's legitimate, but uh again, like I still think the Mets are in a great position. I'd love a, a Subway World Series. I know a lot of Mets fans don't, but I think it'd be great. And look, I think baseball would love that because let's be honest like baseball right now the only way they're going to get a good ranking is if they get big markets and there's no market bigger than new york and you saw it and you saw it like this last week like you felt like these were you thought that these were basically the uh you basically felt that these were uh you thought that these were basically moved. Um, these are good moves that basically uh, the team made, but uh, let's see. I've not been this excited about the jets in my life. And I remember watching the super bowl since 1970. You know, I think it's, uh, I do think it's an exciting time for this uh, team. I I'm really excited to see what this team is able to do. And uh, I, I do think it's going to be a fun season. Now I keep stressing that I don't think the jets are a playoff team this year. But it will be curious to see how they go out there and basically perform this year. I do think you're going to see a growth of this team. I still think this is going to be a 7-8 win team. Uh, 
I just have a feeling too, like we're going to have to, we'll see if this team is going to be able to basically continue to grow, continue to develop. Like if they don't develop, you're going to see major changes, but I do think Alexander helps his defense. And like I said, the start of the show, I think the jets have the potential to be a top 10 defense in the NFL. I really do. And if they're a top 10 defense, I don't think this offense these have to be efficient, move the football and run the football. They, they, this is a team that doesn't have to go out and score 35 points a week to win football games. So I think that that's all very exciting. Again, this is another piece. This is an exciting time of year because, again, this is the optimism time. This is when anything is possible as a fan of the NFL, and it's just an exciting time, especially if you're a Jet fan because they've had a lot of good, exciting young pieces. And so far – it's looking pretty good in camp. I'm really excited, but that's going to do for this episode, guys. We'll be back next week. We'll be talking more Jets football. I'm also going to talk most about the key position battles that I'm watching. Now, I'm going to preface this by saying this, and I think you're going to like it, where I'm going to look at players that are kind of under the radar but could be key pieces for the Jets next year. It's not necessarily who's going to win the number one corner spot. It's not like the big ones. It's more of the smaller battles in camp but they could have a huge significant impact on the entire regular season. I'll talk about that next week. More reactions from camp, more reactions on Jets breaking news as it looks like the Jets are still going to be adding pieces, but there's so much to do. So if you want more great Jets content, especially during training camp, make sure you bash that subscribe button. Give us a like if you can. And of course, if you know any Jets fans out there that are looking to vent that want to talk about what they're seeing in practice, let them know about the channel and have them join. But until next time, guys, I'm Nolan Rich, and this is Rich Sports Talk. Thank you so much for joining us here today.